Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Tax time is right around the corner, and this episode, Milton Rodriguez is sharing what you need to know to file your taxes this year and hopefully save just a little bit of money. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. 
Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Welcome back to the show. It is so good to have you here. All right, I'm just curious. How is it already February? Taxes are one of those things that we just can't avoid, and it always feels like tax time comes around awfully fast. Every year, you diligently send in more and more questions about all things taxes, so I decided to bring in an expert to answer them all. Now, we recently did an episode all about side hustles and taxes, but in this episode, Enrolled agent and certified financial planner Milton Rodriguez is back on the show to share his tips on filing taxes for everyone. In this episode, Milton tackles all of your tax questions, including tax changes this year, tax credits you need to know about, how to uncover deductions that will save you money, what to do if you invested in crypto, and how to start planning for tax time. Just a quick note before we dive into the episode, there were a few audio issues on Milton's end. We did the best to work around them, but I promise you the information in this conversation is golden. I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. Let's jump into the conversation. Well, Milton, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show, talking about, of course, everyone's favorite topic, taxes. <laughs> it is a fun topic, but thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure to be back. Well, for most of us listening, we get either our 1099s or our W-2s, and we kind of file our taxes every year without a whole lot of thought. And I know the last few years, we're obviously in a very different uh, different world, and I thought it make, might make sense to really talk about some tips to help everyone navigate 2021 changes to filing taxes and just kind of a refresher around taxes in general. So I've loaded up a whole bunch of listener questions that I want to go through with you. But just to start out, maybe walk us through what are some of the biggest tax changes that we're going to see and how might those impact us? Um, sure. So there were a few changes that happened this year compared to last. Most of it is just going to be I believe on the on the crypto side, because there were a lot of rules, and I think more people have become involved in that space. Um, other changes are with some of the business taxation aspects, as well as increases in credits for parents. Um, so there's a lot of little things that change, not anything major or drastic like there was back in 17. But yeah, things are. There's always something new. The IRS always puts something new out that's, <laughs> hey, now a little, little tweak here, a little tweak there. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about crypto and taxes, because I know that for a while it wasn't being tracked. And then the last couple of years, there was a box you needed to check. And it just feels like things are getting a little bit more legit when it comes to crypto and taxes. But what do we need to know about that? 
Yeah, you know what? Last year, I think, was really interesting. Let me just put it this way. I think in the last two months, I've had more people reach out and ask about crypto tax than I've ever had in the last few years since it's been around. But um, now I think it's just an evolving space and it's going to continue evolving for the next, I don't know, I'm guessing few years. But there is that question exactly right on the first page of the 1040 that says uh, something along the lines of, did you receive or exchange or sell any crypto? And so that's kind of a catch all, right? Because if you lie about it and then they say, hey, you know what, you didn't report this and they have evidence of it, it becomes this whole ordeal. Um, but it's mostly – the question this year is a little bit different than it was last year. This year they're really angling towards, you know, did you receive any? Did you sell any? Did mm. you exchange any? Which means, you know, was it a taxable event? If Before, I think, in 2020 they asked, did you acquire any? They got rid of that. Right, they don't want to know if you acquired any because that doesn't necessarily mean that you had a taxable event with it. But now that question's a little bit different, and there's really at the end of the day, if if you're wondering, is my crypto situation taxable? There's really just two things that you kind of have to watch out for. One, did you buy any, and did you just hold it? If you've never moved it, you just let it sit there on an account, then you're fine, no taxable situation. Or if you bought some and then moved it from one place to another, um, then you're pretty much fine. But everything else is probably going to be a taxable situation. <laughs> so you can't you can't run away from it any longer. <laughs> you you can't. And some companies do. Or, you know, they're increasing some of your uh, your know your customer type of. Uh, information that they're requiring of people. They're asking more, hey, can you upload a picture of your ID? Because they are getting a little bit more scrutinized. I mean, the IRS is playing catch up without a doubt, but they do have a formal task force now that's just really investigating, really dealing with more of the cryptocurrency side of things. Interesting. Hmm. All right. So I want to jump into some of the listeners' questions because there's been a lot of them that I've been collecting over the last year. And the first one is you probably hear this all the time. Are there ways, are there really ways to reduce my tax bill? What do you say about that? Uh, well, when you're an employee, it's tough. Uh, when you're an employee, you really don't have that much going on for you. I think the code was really written to benefit business owners um, just because business owners have more stuff going on in general. But as an individual, you know, there are a couple of things you could do as to try and lower your tax liability. One, contribute as much as you can to retirement, which I know it doesn't sound like a tax saving strategy, <laughs> but it absolutely is in the long run. Um, and I know that doesn't sound as exciting as creating like a dummy corporation or something. But but no, I mean, having a retirement account is super important because you get tax benefits both upfront and in the long run, right? You can save now, have that be a deduction on the tax return. And then while in your working years, you could theoretically say that I'm earning more and being taxed at a higher rate than I will when I'm retired. So that could be a pretty good strategy there. Uh, another nice little strategy to try and save money on taxes when you're an employee is having an HSA account. If you can qualify for a health savings account, I think that is one of the few golden nuggets in the tax code where there's a huge benefit because you can save for medical expenses, take a deduction for whatever amounts you save, 
that money can then grow and be invested tax deferred. And as long as it comes out and it's being spent towards medical purposes, whether it's surgery, over-the-counter medication, then it's not a taxable situation. So it doesn't sound exciting again, but it is, you know, something to consider because medical costs generally go up as you get older. And especially in the future, they're going to be a little bit higher than they are now if you're pretty young and working. I'm a big fan of health savings accounts. You're right. I think they're kind of like this. Um, it's it's almost like having your cake and eating it too, which you can't do very often in the tax code. Exactly. But health exactly. savings accounts are really can be you know, really fantastic way, not only to, to save money, but then you have lots of options. You could use it for retirement or you could use it for obviously the health needs. And um, you're absolutely right. Like health costs are not going down. They're only going to get more expensive. So we need, we need every little solution possible for us. Absolutely. And one of the things that changed this year was HSAs. Before this year, you couldn't use them for over-the-counter medication. So anything that you went to the pharmacy for, you needed to have a prescription to go ahead and if it came out of the HSA to get that write-off, otherwise it was considered income. But now this year, I think with everything that went on with COVID, of course, they have changed that rule so that really anything, medication or anything that's really kind of personal care as a medical need um, can be used tax-free with an HSA. So the fact that now that they include over-the-counter medication, I think is really, really cool because it's not just limited to saying, oh, well, I need to have a physician's um, prescription in order to do this. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I'm I'm raising the I love HSA flag right now. <laughs> Um, and next question, probably again, one of the most popular questions is the idea of what can I deduct? I think we all hear that word deduction, we get really excited, but I wonder if we can look at it two ways. One, if let's just say you're a W-2 employee and then, you know, what if you're a 1099er or some version of a 1099er? I know a lot of people listening have side hustles or things like that, where maybe they have a combination of a W-2 and a 1099, but walk us through a little bit about deductions and you know how we should be thinking about those given these different scenarios. Sure, sure. So let's stick with the employee side of things. If you're not a uh, independent contractor or a side hustler, or you don't have the formal uh, entities set up on the side, I think that really you, you do have those limitations again. So let's kind of go back to the main deductions that most people know about. That's going to be your mortgage interest, right? So if you own a property or a vacation property home and you're paying a mortgage on it, then the interest becomes deductible, um, which is you know pretty handy. It's, it's a nice little deduction. And then you have some charitable contributions. I think that's a really nice one because in the last well, it was last year when they made a slight adjustment to the charitable contribution rule. It used to be where if you wanted to deduct any uh, charitable giving, you really had to qualify for itemized deductions. And, and we can get into that as well. Um, but otherwise, let's say you did not qualify for any itemized deductions, then you could not make any or you could not take any deduction for a charitable gift or any charitable contribution. But last year they changed it. And I think, again, that's probably in response to COVID. But they changed it so that if you're an individual, you can gift or donate up to $300 and not worry about, oh, can I give and still get a deduction mm. even though I don't itemize? 
And so they still have that going on this year, which I think is cool. If if it, if you're single, it's three hundred dollars. Um, if it's mar- if you're married filing joint, then you can do six hundred dollars. But that's one another little deduction that's out there. Um, some of those old deductions that a lot of people used to rely on, such as unreimbursed employee expenses, uh, like union dues, stuff like that used to be deductible, but that went away a couple of years ago. And so that was slowly over time. I guess what I really want to highlight is that I've noticed things have gone to the point where um, individuals that are not business owners really have just less and less things that they can say, oh, I can deduct this or I can deduct that. Um, it is kind of a bummer. I don't know why exactly that trend is happening, but hopefully in the future, you know, legislation changes, regulations change, and then over time, maybe that'll come back and more deductions will become available. Um, so again, mortgage interest is a big one, charitable donations. Then you have the medical expenses. So medical expenses, another one. Uh, moving away from those items, if you're a parent, and you're paying for daycare, you can definitely use some of those uh, dependent care expenses. That's another nice change that has happened this year. Now that credit has come back, and it's actually a lot more. And I think if you were paying for daycare in the past, you'll see that nice little bump this year as a, as a deduction and as a credit side of things. I think that'll be very surprising. Um, but other than that, I mean, alimony payments are even gone. Like that, right. that's, it's nuts. There's, like I said, over time, there's just been this slow kind of removal process of, of a lot of deductions that people used to take. Um, student loan interest is still there. That's a big one. Um, that I think is has been a little bit different from what I've noticed because a lot of people that I work with that were on loans had them deferred. So not a lot of interest was uh, applying. But I think those are those are the big ones. Most people will just look at mortgage interest, property taxes, um, uh, charitable giving, medical expenses, because that's that really has not changed over time. All these other little ones come and go, but um, but yeah, those are the big ones. Oh, one last one, and I know this is kind of getting a little off topic to the credit side of things, but I mean EVs, electric vehicles are becoming a lot more popular so there's still that nice deduction that people can claim that that credit that people can get and say hey you know what I I have an EV and I want to go green so that's still out there I highly recommend you know people explore that as an opportunity as well So what about our 1099ers or those listening who might have a side hustle and have some sort of tiny 1099 income so how do we figure out what deductions worked for us? Is that really where we need someone like yourself that's an accountant to kind of be there in the process with us? Or are there certain sort of guidelines that we can use ourselves when we're when we're filing our taxes? Yeah. So now as a 1099, what's deductible? I can honestly say pretty much everything, right? Like <laughs> it's kind of the pendulum the swing. <laughs> yeah, it goes from one extreme to another. Um, so it's the complete opposite. It's it's really so what is a business expense, right? I think um, I was listening to to your previous uh, tax person that was on the show, and I thought that was a great episode, by the way. But he highlighted something very important where um, basically what is a business expense? The code just says whatever is ordinary and necessary. And and that's really what it is at the end of the day. If, if I have a business and I have to drive my car somewhere, that mileage is deductible. As an employee – and I, I, I'm being asked to drive somewhere and use my own vehicle, I, 
I can't say, hey, you know what? Um, I wasn't reimbursed for the gas. I want to take a deduction for it. I could have pre-2017 tax kind of jobs act, but no longer. So, but as a 1099, yeah, I can write that off. I can say I was driving my car for work and, and I, and I, you know, it's an expense. Um, if you're working from home and you have a, a strict home office set up for yourself, some of your utility bills can be written off your rent or mortgage, um, property taxes, internet, cell phone. I mean, it's, it's the complete opposite of what being an employee is. And that's why I've mentioned at the beginning, the code is really more favorable towards business owners because there's a lot more things that can be deducted. And to go back to your question and how do we really know when to work with someone to kind of guide us on these deductions or these expenses, I think there's really, there's really just a couple of events where things really determine whether or not you need to work with someone. One is when you first start out being a 1099 or self-employed individual, or you decide to go down that path. I think it'll be very helpful to anyone looking to explore that to say, you know what, let me sit down, let me have a consultation with somebody and have them explain to me the difference between what life as an employee is like versus what I need to know as a contractor or someone who's that self-employed. Because then you can really sit down with them for an hour, two hours, and go through the whole gauntlet of how do I keep track of things? What, what should I keep track of in the first place? Um, and, and what's the tax situation going to look like? Because it's very different from being an employee. So I think when you first sit down and you're thinking of, hey, I want to go independent. I want to, I want to be my own uh, boss. I want to form my own business. That's really step number one when you're like, okay, let's do this. Let me talk to somebody who knows what I should know and who will help guide me on that journey. Then I think once you get a good understanding of, okay, I I understand what to watch out for, what to keep track of, then it pays later on down the road to say, okay, if the business has gotten bigger and things are more involved, all right, now should I have a tune-up? Should I form a business entity? Should I... Should I be doing something differently? I, and, I, and it'll take a couple of years, I think, between those first couple of meetings to have a business that's really off the ground and running. But then I think when you come back and say, okay, now that my business is this big, um, and, and there is no really, I would say, dollar amount that says, hey, this is how big it should be. I think you as a person will know, oh, okay, things are getting a little out of out of control. I need to talk to somebody and bring it all back. So, but, but it's, so it's really a personal thing. It's not, Oh, you know, my business is making, let's say a hundred thousand. Now I know I need to talk to somebody or it's making 40,000. I need to talk to somebody. No, it, it comes down to, okay, wait a second. Uh, now I have multiple credit cards. Now I have multiple uh, checking accounts to receive income. I'm using different software. Okay. I got to keep everything in house. And I think at that point you'll know, all right, let's talk to somebody. Let's form that long-term professional relationship with a tax accountant or a bookkeeper or whoever it may be to start putting things together and being organized from the beginning because that'll save so many headaches in the future. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. 
When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. 
I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. That is great advice. Thank you for <laughs> lining that all up for us. I do you know the history of of the tax system? Like, why was it created to really benefit business owners and, and not employees? You know, that is a great question. And as part of my graduate program, <laughs> my first semester, we were going over like the 1913 tax code and, and how that came about. And so while I don't have a huge story or narrative to give you, unfortunately, but I would say this, I would just say that the reason it benefits um, employers is because there's little it's it's harder to keep track of i would say business activity and so that's why there's more flexibility to allow for whether it's investment to a business or expenses of a business than it is to say hey you know what i need to keep track of the activity of an individual because as a company you can be receiving income worldwide and so well the irs and and the government wants to know wait if you're making income worldwide you know we we want to attract investment, so we want to have favorable rules for businesses to uh, take deductions here or to be able to write off there because we want to be a powerhouse for corporations, right? But as an individual, they say, well, you know, you're just making a living, you're making an earning. We already know who's paying you. There's not much done that's going to be helpful for you. That's what it is. So I, I think that's really the extreme of why businesses just tend to have more I would say flexibility because as a business, you're generating economic activity and, and you're saying, okay, well, I'm getting income, I'm using up revenue, I'm trying to grow and provide jobs. And I think that the IRS just seems to see that as more of a, hey, let's get more things available to you versus the individual who's kind of at the bottom of the barrel. It's like, hey, you know what? Okay, you're working. Um, we know exactly what you're getting whether it's from a bank, from interest, earnings from a job, whatever it might be. It's, it's easier to just say, hey, you know what? We know what your situation is going to look like. Um, we're going to spend less time on you, I guess, which kind of sounds like a bummer, but I've always seen it that way. I've always seen as, you know, business, business just creates that economic activity that the right. IRS wants to be on top of more often. And the IRS wants to get their money back, right? So. Yeah, it would make yeah. sense. Yes, it would make sense. The story is all starting to come together. <laughs> well, another question that I get asked a lot, and I, I've easily got about 20 or 30 uh, questions submitted around this idea. I want to talk a little bit about tax credits because I think there's some confusion there. Could you tell us a little bit about um, what they are and maybe some maybe some common tax credits that that we should all know about? Sure, sure. So 
credits and deductions often get really confused or, or people often mix them up and think that one is the same as the other or, you know, what is the difference? Um, and they both kind of behave in a similar way. At the end of the day, they reduce whatever tax uh, your income is calculating. So whether it's a deduction, whether it's a credit, the whole idea is, all right, just start at the base level. If I'm claiming something, it's to help reduce the overall amount of tax I'm paying. Okay, that's base level one. Now, when you start kind of going and peeling back the curtain, you have to understand, well, how does a tax get calculated in the first place, right? If I have my income and it goes to this tax table that says, hey, my percentage is, I don't know, let's just say 24%, you know, this is my tax number. Well, then you have to figure out, okay, what what is going to be used to offset that? Or is there anything that can be used to offset that? And that's where a credit comes into place. See, a deduction comes before you figure out what your tax is. Once you figure out what your tax is, then you can see if there's any credits that will help lower that even further. So again, to just kind of restate that in hopefully a, a very processable way, it's in order to calculate your tax, you figure out your income, then you go ahead and take a look at what your deductions might be, and then you have your overall tax number. All right, fantastic. At that point, then you say, well, is there any credit that I could possibly claim? And generally, I always tell people credits are more friendly than deductions, and the reason for that is once your tax is calculated, right? once that dollar amount is figured out and is determined, a credit helps reduce that tax number dollar by dollar. So if let's just say hypothetically your tax is $1,000 and you have a credit worth of $500, then boom, your tax now becomes 500 because you're taking 1,000 minus 500, you got that end number. Okay. A deduction is not the same thing. A deduction will help lower your income, but it will not reduce your tax dollar by dollar. So that itself gets a little tricky, I understand, but just think about it this way. Credits are usually what you want to go for. Um, so that said, what are some credits? I mentioned the dependent care credit earlier. So that one had a nice little change this year. If you're a parent and you pay for daycare expenses um, or someone to take care of your child where you're out at work, then now... Well, this has been around forever, but now that number that you can claim as a credit has increased to $8,000. That's a pretty big jump wow. because it was a lot less in years past. So now what you can do is say, okay, well, if I am a parent, I pay daycare, uh, and I paid, I don't know, let's just say $1,000 a month, that ends up being $12,000, right? So now your credit is going to be worth a lot more to you. And I've already seen that benefit a couple people in practice. It's it's already January 31st, and so I've kind of done some returns. And that credit is surprising me and a few other people, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, so that's one. There's the child tax credit, which has also had some adjustments in the past year. Child tax credit, I think, as a parent, a lot of people are aware of. You would get a credit that helps reduce your tax um, based on the number of qualifying children. Um, this year, however, there were a couple of adjustments because a lot of parents last year were getting some of those payments uh, up front. 
So that was a nice little part of the CARES Act that was passed so that there was money still going out. And, you know, the whole idea of hopefully flooding the system with cash and keeping the economy afloat was really, I think, the prevailing factor in the IRS saying, okay, for parents who filed a return and who had a child that was a qualifying child on the return, we'll give you some money. I think it's. I think they started going out in September, um, up until December. Uh, one thing to really be aware of that, though, is the IRS has already sent out letters to summarize and say, "Hey, we sent you this much right. as part of the child tax credit." And so, when you go and work with a preparer or you start entering your information on a do-it-yourself software. You want to make sure you include that letter because it, it's super important. Otherwise, you might be claiming more than what you should, and that'll create a letter, a nasty letter that you'll get later on in the year. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to avoid nasty. Yes. Letters. We don't want that. At all costs. Exactly. At all costs. But that was a good one. I think those two are pretty, pretty good because the, the amounts increased substantially. Um, then there's the economic income payment system. So uh, basically the, the amount of money that was being sent out last year, I think it was around this time where there was a payment of about 1400 that went out to, to people. Um, I think it was based on per adult or per dependent that was on the return. Or I, I believe it was in February, but regardless, the, the, the third round of stimulus payments, uh, if you didn't get it, you can get it as a credit when you file the return. Um, otherwise, they will also send you a letter that says, hey, this is how much you got as the stimulus payment back in uh, back in February or March or whenever it was early last year. I, I believe it was um, first quarter of last year. But yeah, so that's another one. That's another one that will go on the return. That's super important to, to track. Uh, there's the EV credit, which is still out there for people to to get if they decide to get an electric vehicle. And I'll tell you, some of these EVs that are coming out look pretty cool. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to see that a little bit more often in, in the future. But it's really exciting. And the credit's still there. Hasn't been reduced. Hasn't been increased. It's not going away. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that tax credit. And you mentioned that you're already here we are late January, it's almost February, you're already starting to file some returns. And I know last year, there were a lot of delays. I got a lot of calls even from friends who were asking me, hey, do you know when I'm going to get my refund? <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea. So are, are you thinking this year, there's going to be some of those delays? Like what should we prepare ourselves for? Well, this year, um, I would say that if you're a parent claiming the uh, the child tax credit, uh, you're not going to get it until the end of February. Um, those returns generally, they take a while. And the reason is that IRS wants to reconcile their end of year, you know, how much did stuff go out versus what people are reporting on the returns. So there's a lot of people that like to file early. And say, hey, you know what, let me just get it done now. Because if you're a W-2 employee, your stuff's already available. So why wait until April, right? But if you go ahead and file that and you're trying to claim the child tax credit, that will not be available until late February. Um, I think they start saying, I think they start saying around the third week of February is when they'll start sending out those refunds. Um but other than that, I mean, most other things are, are pretty fast. I would always recommend to somebody to 
if they're wondering, wait a second, where's my refund? Just go on the IRS website and go to where's my refund. I will say this. If you go onto the IRS website and you haven't been there in a while, it's been revamped. It actually looks a lot nicer. <laughs> I think it's more user-friendly. But always go into check my check my refund uh, link just to see where it's at, to see that it's been approved. Um, if it hasn't been approved for whatever reason, they'll just say, hey, you need to make a call or figure out what's going on, which isn't fun. You don't want to go through that. But yeah, that's a great place. That's a great first place to check. But again, I would just wait until third week of February if you're filing a return now and between then just to see uh, when stuff will start coming up into. And I always say direct deposit, never order a check. Direct deposit is the way to go. Direct deposit. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And what about if we owe money for our taxes this year? And what if we don't have that cash right now to pay for them? Are there any options? Are there payment plans? Is there anything we can do as far as paying for for what we might owe? Yeah. So it comes up all the time. Um, I will say, especially if you're a first-time 1099 contractor and it kind of catches you off uh, as a surprise. But if you come out to the conclusion that, wait a second, I owe um, IRS, I got to pay this amount of money, then I would or let me just say this. If you have a feeling that you owe, start preparing the return early on, like now or in February. Don't wait and don't kind of procrastinate because you might have that feeling that you owe. Because if you give yourself ample time to say, okay, I've got the return. I, I know how much I'm going to owe by April 15th, then maybe you can find a way to plan that out. But if it's April and you determine, hey, you know what I owe, um, really, the rule is you can't, you're supposed to pay by April 15th. And if you can't pay, then you can apply for a payment plan. An installment agreement is the right terminology. But you just have to keep in mind that even though you apply for a payment plan, uh, your balance will still accumulate interest. So while you're not while you may not get penalties on it because you just didn't pay in time, you'll still accumulate interest on the balance you owed. But I would say try and prepare the return early on. Give yourself ample of time to maneuver yourself in any way possible to at least pay as much as you can by April 15th. And then anything that's left over, um, yeah, apply for a, a payment plan. But you have to apply for those payment plans by April 15th. You can't pop in you know, April 20th or May 1st and say, okay, now I want to do a payment plan. Um, you will get penalties at that point because they'll say, hey, you know, you filed late. You can't be doing that. So, but yeah, that, that's always an option. Uh, and if things are really drastic and if you have prior balances owed and you're just at a point where, uh oh, like I just have past tax years and I just owe balances on top of balances, then you can always work with someone to try and apply for an offering compromise. That alone is a very lengthy process, uh, but it, it's, it doesn't have the highest acceptance rate either, but you know it's an option that's available. So I would explore that if, if you owe back taxes and it really seems like you can't come out on top of it. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, 
Listen to the Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. And I know we've had you on the show in the past, but for those who haven't listened, tell me a little bit about, you have kind of this unique combination. You're both an expert at obviously all things tax, but you're also a certified financial planner. So tell me a little bit about like how you work with people and like how you combine both of those forces to, to really help us all like build wealth. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that's an excellent question. Um, I am a little bit different, exactly. I, I handle both. Uh, I sit on both sides of the table when it comes to that aspect. And the reason I like doing that is just because I think that tax, no matter what, is an integral part of any financial plan. Because the idea is you just want to pay as much, or sorry, as little as you can over your entire lifetime. And so I think. When most people come together and say, hey, you know what, I, I want to figure out a tax saving strategy, you'll look at it from a very short-term point of view because you're looking at, wait a second, I, I want to pay the least amount possible today, but what you might be giving up is that kind of long-term picture. How, what can I do now and maneuver now so I can save up over my lifetime and not have to pay tax over um, – you know, my 40, 50, 60 years until I retire, whatever that process might look like. So 
when I started looking into being a financial planner and, and really going after that, I found that that side of the industry doesn't have too much tax stuff going on. And at the time, when I was looking for different roles, it was mostly just working with clients on the investment or insurance side, which personally, I just, I love investing. It's it's fun as a hobby, as, as a career, it's incredibly fun. But I just realized, wait a second, no, if I want to differentiate myself and really kind of look at things from two different lens on trying to save and also trying to have money and wealth grow, well, tax is how you get things to save and keep more of what you earn in your pocket. And the investment side just complements that to try and have that savings grow and compound over time. And so that that's when I realized, wait, tax is, is interesting. Tax is appealing because it kind of gives me that understanding of, well, you know, what, what can be done? How do people shelter their assets? Or how is it that these companies can make so much money and still find these tax loopholes or, you know, how did that, how does that work exactly? So that's why I fell in love with it. I think it's really fun to kind of be on both sides and understand the long-term view and understanding, Hey, you know, it's important for any financial professional to really think of a client's future and try and plan that together with them and, and in the eyes of what the client wants to achieve, but then also say, wait a second, Let's take a look at this. What's your situation looking like year to year? Is there anything that can be maneuvered? Is there anything that can be changed? Or have you thought about this idea? Because at least with a tax appointment, you're just getting all the facts up front and you're really seeing what's going on every given year. Um, and then I think people like talking to their tax guy too. <laughs> I think they feel pretty comfortable with who their tax person is. And, and I've always found that as a good opening line to work with a client in other areas other than just tax preparation. <laughs> I love that. You must be the most popular guy at parties. <laughs> <laughs> lots, of, lots of fun tax questions, that's for sure. Especially during tax time. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So kind of thinking about this year going forward, after we've filed our taxes, do you have like one, two, three tips for us of, of how we can start planning for next year even? Like maybe how to get a little jump on things so that we're not kind of uh, crunching everything into these these few months before before tax time. Sure, sure. I think um, I think for for a lot of preparation, it really comes down to just having a good idea of what it is that you're trying to achieve. If, if you're looking for something to help you long-term, let, let's say you're a business owner and you're trying to figure out, wait a second, every single year I'm paying balance after balance. You know, is there anything that could be done differently? You know, if, if you want to prepare for next year or the next couple of years, then right now is really the best time to do so because you're going to have an appointment with somebody anyways. And now you can start opening up that, that line of questions, that dialogue and start asking, well, you know, if I am a business owner, should I, am I keeping track of my expenses? You know, is, does this look like I might be missing something? Do I need to open myself up to possibilities of getting a bookkeeping software that sure I might have to pay a little extra for on a monthly basis, but Will it really help me, you know, start keeping track of everything in a better way? Or maybe you're considering forming a, a, an entity and you're trying to figure out what's going to work best for you. Or if you're trying to say, hey, you know what, 
I want to purchase a property in a couple of years as, as a rental property. Um, if you start speaking to a professional now versus, hey, I want to, uh, you know, I want to do this in the middle of October and I'm just talking to someone for the first time in September, you're not really going to get a whole lot of preparation or a lot of good advice that's going to be helpful. I think really when you start planning out and you want to have an idea of how to save for taxes over a long period of time, you know, start thinking of those ideas, start talking to people, and then that way you can get feedback. You can get information maybe from one or two different professionals that will give you maybe not entirely different points of view, but uh, something where you can kind of get two different ideas from, two different takes. Um, always, always start collecting your documents early on, especially if you're just looking to prepare something for this year. Remember what you did last year. You know, did you roll over a 401k into an IRA? Then you're going to get a form, which means that you know, hold off on filing because maybe that form hasn't arrived yet. Uh, did you earn interest? Did you trade? Did you? So start definitely getting your documents early. And, and sometimes you might have to revisit old accounts to see if there's anything that's like a tax form in those accounts. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times people have come back and later said, oh, yeah, I forgot that I had this. And I was like, uh-oh, well, you know, this was $10,000 that you <laughs> said wasn't there. So it, it's it's kind of funny. And those those things happen all the time and they do cause letters. So if you're looking just to kind of get a quick how to prepare for this season, um, just start looking back and just start seeing all the different accounts that you might have had or move things away from. Uh, create like a little checklist of, hey, I did this last year. I, I moved money here or I traded this last year. Is there anything I should look into? Um, but if you really want to start planning for a longer time horizon, I think it really begins with what is it that you want to achieve and what are the tax implications of those goals? And is there anything that can be done to, to help minimize the tax on those situations? Well, Milton, as always, you are our tax guru. Thank you for all of this amazing information. I'd love for you to tell everyone listening, if they want to reach out to you, they want to connect with you, where do they find you? Yeah, sure, sure. I think um, I think LinkedIn would be the best place. Uh, I try and post on LinkedIn every so often, but yeah, I think just look me up, Milton Rodriguez, CFPEA. Um, I have my profile there. I generally respond to a lot of messages there, and I think that's the best first place. Um, I think my email address is also good. If you'd like to include that on the show notes, that'd be perfect. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I'm always open to answering some questions here and there. I think it's fun to to kind of see what other people are up to and what they need help with. Between deductions and tax credits and itemizing and standard deductions, taxes can just, to me, really feel complex and confusing. But thankfully, we have people like Milton here to just straighten it all out for us. I mean, I still find it interesting what he was saying that the tax code is really set up squarely to benefit business owners. But that's why I think it's just so important to learn how you can make the most out of your situation and really learn how to set yourself up for success when you do file your taxes. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, share it with friends, family members, someone who you know is getting ready to file their taxes. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guest as well as the amazing sponsors who make this podcast possible. 
I will see you right back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Hi, this is Elton John here. Throughout my US tour last year, we heard from thousands of fans that financial security and financial planning are hugely important to them. So important that David and I are continuing this vital conversation into 2023. Together with the Alliance for Lifetime Income, I'm spreading the word about the importance of protected income, which is money you're guaranteed to get. Like me, I'm sure you have big plans for your next chapter. Protected income from an annuity helps ensure you have all your bases covered so you can have the financial freedom to tick off your bucket list. The first step is to decide what's on your bucket list. Then meet with your financial advisor to ask if you have protected income and get their help making a plan that fits your unique financial goals. Join me and my friends at the Alliance for Lifetime Income. Together, we can help make financial freedom in retirement a reality for more Americans, starting with you. Go to protectedincome.org today.